February 28th, um, we're having a baptism and membership Sunday here. If you uh, have never been baptized, uh, want to be baptized, um, please come talk to me. If you are not a member here and you have interest in that, come talk to me and we can talk about what all that is. I want to remind us uh, that when it comes to membership, church, local church membership, the reason that we hold that, some churches at this point don't do local church membership because they're like, if you have a relationship with Christ, you're part of the one church, right? So what's the point of having local church membership? Well, the reason is, is because it used to be that when you went under the waters of baptism and you came back up, all the people who were watching you, there was only one church, so they knew you just joined the family. And that's what baptism was. Now you have churches all over the place, right? And so uh, when we connect with one local family, the idea of church memberships, okay, I've been baptized and all that, but this is me committing to walk the journey with you. Because we don't just have a covenant with the Lord, we have a covenant with the Lord together, um, which means we have a covenant with one another. And so that is reaffirming that covenant with one another in membership. And that's why we do uh, covenant membership here. And we try to, every time that we have uh, people join, we try to also remember together and reaffirm our membership together as a church so that that's our commitment to one another. And this series that we're going through right now, this teaching series, um, is uh, called A People Following Christ. That's our, that's our uh, kind of logo or whatever, our, our catchphrase. And that really describes for us what we sense as a body, as a, as a corporate people, who we are. We're a people who are pursuing the Lord together. And when we say we're pursuing them together, that's our commitment to each other. So Jen and I put rings on each other's fingers as a vow that we're going to journey through life together. And as a church body, when we uh, uh, take membership, that's us saying, like, we're going after Christ together. That's what that is. And so as you're thinking about that, processing that, if you're already a member, just remember as we come to February 28th, that's kind of like a, a moment where like a, 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 a couple might be renewing their marriage vows, you know, and just take an inventory again, maybe thinking about like, hey, are we actually walking out the covenant that we made with one another? And so I think that February 28th, a membership Sunday is a great moment for us to just kind of remember who we are together. And so I just want to keep that in front of you. And if you, if that's new for you and you want to talk through, please let me know. All right. Now, um, this series that we're in, People Following Christ, is based on our membership expectations. And when we say expectations, that's not like, uh, in order to become a member here, you have to check, check, check. Nothing like that. Uh, What it is, the membership expectations are not things that we do in order to earn membership. What membership expectations are is much more like family values, you know? Like when you are in a home, you're a member of this home, and we kind of expect that in the Deering home um, that our boys uh, understand the values of this home. And this is part of what it means to be a Deering, not just that you were born here, but that this is who we are. And as followers of Christ, the scriptures describe what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. And so some of the very basic things of being a follower of Christ is what we hold out as our values or our expectations of what it looks like if God's moving in us and we're following him. This is kind of what it looks like. And so this series of people following Christ, we've been going back and looking at the early uh, followers of Jesus and saying, what are the characteristics? What are the practices? What are the things that happen with those followers and how do they relate to us now? And so I want to go through the first four of them just to bring us up to speed with where we are. The, the first membership expectation that we have here is that um, if, if we're a, a member of Christ's body, we've received Christ's forgiveness for our sins. We've entered into a relationship with God and we've displayed it through baptism. 
That's the first thing. That, that, that's just a, a basic biblical expect, expectation that, uh, that we don't become a member of the church without entering into a relationship with God. And so if you haven't had that experience yet, we'd be happy to walk you, walk you into that. Second thing is we share the basic PFC theological beliefs. That first message that we preached about the entering into a relationship with God was the one that was about, is, are we about coffee and donuts or are we about bread and wine? Because bread and wine is, uh, when Christ says, you've got to eat my flesh and drink my blood, that's the, the Eucharistic picture, the, the, the uh, communion, where we enter through his body broken and his blood shed, we enter into a covenant relationship with him. It's not just having fun, coffee and donuts, and if, if we're done with that, then we're kind of out. It's like we enter into a deep abiding relationship with God. And Ro- uh, Romans 6 was just read for us this morning. Um, which is that picture of us dying with Christ and rising with Christ. The second thing is that, that idea of um, we share a basic set of theological beliefs, not just for the sake of having common doctrine, but because our minds are knowing who God is in the Scripture together. And so we love God with our minds. Um, and then uh, thirdly, that we grow in a biblical lifestyle. And what that means is if we're following Christ, our lives are going to show that we're following Christ. And Dave Willauer preached last week about dropping your nets. And that's like when Jesus says, come follow me, it actually has consequence that I, you know, Peter, they dropped their nets and went and chased him. And there's things in our lives that'll change when we're, when we're chasing the Lord. And today, uh, the, the fourth kind of thing that is a, a, a picture of those who are following Christ is that we attend worship together regularly, weekly that we come together in worship. This is what we do. It's what they, the church has always done, and it's what we do. So weekly attendance at, at the worship services. So that's what we're talking about today. The name of our title is Get Up, Show Up, and Flow Up. Okay? Not throw up, not just grow up, um, but, uh, but we flow up toward the Lord together when we get up and we show up here and we flow toward the Lord. So that's what we're, that's what we're talking about today. We're reiterating the signs of what it means to follow Christ, these family values that we hold dear that are the basic practices. These are, these are the things that we can look at and say, are we in a healthy relationship with God and one another? Are these things happening, okay? Um, so uh, join me in prayer, and then we'll go into it. Father God, thank you for all of that. Thank you for all of that, all that time of just worshiping you, of praying with you, of releasing baggage, of getting our minds focused on you. Thank you for what you've brought us through in this service so far. We ask in the few minutes here, God, that you would just guide us through what you desire in these gatherings that we show up at every Sunday morning. Teach us about it. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, we're going to be, uh, read Hebrews 10, 19 to 25. You can stand with me, please, in honor of God's word. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest Over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, 
not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. Yes, Lord, and amen. You can have a seat. You see here, we're a people following Christ up, in, and out. And the primary expression, the first expression of how we flow together up, how we follow Christ up, is when we come together right here on a Sunday morning. And uh, so we're going to be talking about what that looks like and the life of a church on Sunday morning life. There's a whole lot more to the life of a church than a Sunday morning, hopefully. Um, but Sunday morning is, a, is, is one of the primary ways that we flow up toward God together. So that's what we're going to talk about. I'm going to talk about seven things today. And I, you're like, Tim, seven points, bad idea. We're going we're gonna to cruise through these. Um, and the first one's going to be a little longer than the rest, so don't freak out. Okay? <laughs> um, and, uh, and we're going to have seven points about worship services. Okay, and I just, I, I just want to walk down and talk about what that looks like for us. Um, the first thing is, is the worship service the moment? Is it the moment? Like, is that what it's about? Is that the church? And, you know, the worship service is actually, from what I understand reading the scriptures, is at least a really central moment and probably the central moment in the life of the body, that it is. And I know there's a lot of trending right now about saying that everything that happens during the week is what the church is about, and the Sunday morning worship service, we've put too much emphasis on that and everything. I do think that we have neglected, in the church at, at large, we've neglected so much of everything outside of Sunday. But that doesn't mean that we should devalue what Sunday morning is. Sunday morning is the moment, but it might not be the moment that we think it is. Oftentimes we kind of think of, especially in America right now, it's the Sunday morning experience. There's all sorts of books about the Sunday morning experience. If you're a pastor, you can read all sorts of books about how to create the perfect worship experience for people and all of that. And it really can easily translate into like trying to keep people juiced and excited so that you have more butts in the seats kind of thing, you know. And that's not what we're talking about. That's not the point of Sunday morning. But Sunday morning is a moment. It really is. And what kind of moment is it? It's like the family meal. Okay? It's, it's the moment. You know, it's where we come together, we meet together, we're sitting there with dad, and it is good. You know, and that's, that's what a Sunday morning service is actually all about. What it is, is it's the yearning to be together with our Father and with one another. And it's the moment where we collectively come together and converge. And, you know, you've seen the videos that are out there about uh, a soldier who's been on a tour for a long time, and then, you know, all of a sudden, uh, he or she shows up and surprises their family, and their family just kind of, like, loses it, uh, and, and they catch it on video. And I'm always like, Man, I feel bad like eavesdropping on that moment because the person, like, it's such a shock and such a huge emotional thing that I'm like, I don't think I should be seeing this right now. But what's underneath of that is how much they yearn to see each other, how much they desire to see each other. And what this moment is, is, is this is the moment of yearning. I just turned 40 a few weeks ago, and that's why I grew a beard. I figured it was time to, like, act like a man or something. Um, <laughs> 
Uh, we, for my 40th birthday, uh, you know, Jen was asking what I wanted to do or whatever. And I have, I have a friend who, I have a, a buddy who was a great friend in college. My brother and my buddy and I lived together in, on the uh, north side of Chicago and uptown in Chicago. And we had such a great time. And we've remained friends for a long time. But my buddy lives down in Charlottesville. My brother lives out in Cincinnati. And, but on the weekend of my birthday, they both came in. And Jen had them come in. And I was so stoked that they were coming in. And so I was just like pumped. I just kept like waiting like for the week going. I mean, it was like Christmas and we had all sorts of stuff going on leading up to that. So it was super busy and everything. But in the back of my mind, I was just pumped that my brother and my buddy were coming in, you know. And that yearning and that desire is what the worship service of a church should be like where we're like yearning to get there with those who we love to connect with our Father. Is it supposed to be a moment? You bet it's supposed to be a moment. It's supposed to be an amazing thing that we yearn for. Jesus, I think, describes this really well to his disciples. Um, I think he puts it on display for us. When he comes to the Last Supper, and in Luke, he says, I have eagerly desired to share this Passover meal with you before I suffer. Listen to the words of Jesus. He goes on, he's, therefore brothers, uh, wait, I'm sorry, wrong passage. Here we go. It's from Luke 22. I don't have this one on the screen. And when the hour came, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. And he said to them, I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And in verse 19, he says, And he took the bread. Listen to how intimate this is. We know this as a communion service, but just think about how intimate this is. And he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, the cup, after they had eaten it, he said, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. When he's sitting there with those he loves, and he says, my blood for you, blood for blood, right here. I'm pouring my blood out for you. I'm giving you my flesh. I mean, that is intimacy. And he yearns, earnestly yearns to be with them. And that same offer he speaks to us, that same yearning he speaks to us. Every Sunday when we gather together, there is a table here that represents that table. And he says, do this in remembrance of me. Remember that I am with you, eagerly desiring to be with you, to be with you. That is a beautiful, beautiful gift that God Almighty desires that from us. Yes, Lord, and amen. Yes, Lord, and amen. All right, that was point one. Okay, point two. Um, what is a worship service about, and who is it for? And I think this is where we get a, a little bit more into, into saying, like, what is, what's this thing about? I mean, there's the cultural pictures of what a worship service is, but, like, who's this for? What is this about? The word worship, anybody know what that means? Yeah, yeah were is, the, is actually the same, uh, that comes from the same word as worthy. It's worship is really where that comes from. And that's, we are showing God that he is worthy. And so it's the act of giving God what he deserves. So without a question, at its very basic form, what a worship service is, is giving God what God deserves. And it's about God, it's not about us. And if we enter into a worship service initially thinking it's about us, then we're going to be disappointed. It's not even that God's going to be disappointed. It's that we're going to be disappointed because it's never going to be enough. 
when it's about us. Actually, the only way that we get what we really need in that moment is when we give God what he's supposed to get because it adjusts our whole framework and gets us focused the way we were designed to work. And the point of a worship service, what's amazing is how, much, how we start to feel so much better when we worship God the way we need to and our minds get tuned up and we're focused on the Lord. Then we're like, ah, it all makes sense now and everything's good. And it's easy then to think the worship service is about us. But the only reason that actually works is because we got focused on the Lord. And so everything about a worship service is about him. But here's the thing. When we give God what he wants, what does he want more than anything else? Us. And he wants our hearts and he wants our adoration, right? And so in order for the worship service to be about him, we actually have to get us engaged in him. Do you know what I mean? So it's not just like, all right, I got to come give God what he wants, you know? God is not emotionally needy. He's not like, he's not a codependent God who just needs people to pat his back and tell him that he's awesome. Like he doesn't have an ego problem. But God, what God has done is he designed us with a need for worship. And he did that as a gift of love to us. The way that he designed a man and a woman to be together and designed them for one another. And there's something unique about each one and how they're made to work together in the same way God and his people are made to work together. And the way that we connect with God, the intimacy with God, is through coming together corporately to give our hearts to God. And that's how God designed it. One of the greatest moments I've ever had was when I was in Israel and I watched uh, at the Wailing Wall, at the, uh, the Western Wall in, in Israel, in Jerusalem, when on, on Saturday or on uh, Friday night, the beginning of Sabbath, all these uh, Jewish people come running down to the Wailing Wall and start dancing in circles in front of the wall, just like singing their hearts out to God, uh, to Yahweh, you know? And they're like, they're grabbing hands in circles in the middle of the street, you know, mostly guys who are like sitting there running in circles, crying out, like dancing, like kicking their legs and everything. And I'm like, you're doing this in public with everybody watching. And they're fired up. And you could tell they were so excited to get there. It was such a great picture of like what it means for us to bring God what he wants, but at the same time, we're getting what we want because he gets what we want by us choosing to get what we want from him. Does that make sense? Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. And um, so, so it's about him. It's about him. It's not about us. Now, um, point three is that that's not always easy. That's not always easy. And it takes work sometimes. Um, it just does not easily work. And I want you to think about it this way. If you're having a great time in life right now, you got a job that's going really well, you just landed a new deal, your family's doing great, you have all sorts of stuff going on, but you have a friend who just had a loved one die. You didn't know the loved one, you only know your friend. Your friend's grieving. Your life is good, but your friend's life is not good. Mourn with those who mourn. What does that mean? It means that I have to get myself inside of their head so that my heart begins to feel what their heart is feeling so that they're not alone in their grief. And even though my life isn't grieving, by being sympathetic toward them, I'm coming into the place where I'm identificationally grieving. That can go the other way. You know, a birthday party, is that, a, you know, when, I, when my kids, when they get invited to a birthday party, they're fired up. They love going to a birthday party, right? But the birthday party isn't really about 
the ones who get invited, right? It's about the person who we're celebrating. But the way that we best celebrate for that person is to have a good time. And so the best, way, the best thing we can do to help our friend have a good time at the birthday party is come and have a good time ourselves, right? And that's the way it works with God. He wants to have this time with us, but he wants us to want that time because he's bringing his kids together and he's like, get your heart in the right place. But we got to work to get there. So even if I'm having a bad day, but I'm going to my friend's birthday, it doesn't matter. Like, you got to bring the party with you. You know, make it happen. Like get stoked for the party because this isn't about us. It's about the friend. And so when it comes to coming into the house of the Lord, there's this thing called the Psalms of Ascent where people were journeying to Jerusalem and they wrote all these songs to help get them fired up as they journey toward Jerusalem. So picture them walking from Galilee down to Jerusalem and they're singing these songs that are like pep rally songs to get them fired up so that by the time they get to the temple, we're like, we're going to give God what he needs and we're going to give God what we need and it's all made to work together. But we have to condition our hearts because our hearts don't naturally go there. So when we come into a worship service, if we want to get to the place where we got to have that experience, we do everything we can leading up to it to get where we need to be. And then in the service, whatever we, ga- we got to get rid of and work through, like Paul said with this stuff, you know, we come, it's sometimes you got to come just exactly the way you are. It is what it is. But through that service, we confess that stuff. We release that stuff. We receive the washing of the word and we get our hearts and our minds focused back on the Lord. And we shouldn't leave here before our hearts are like the end of every psalm almost that's really difficult where it's David's like, oh, this is going on, this is going on. And by the end of the psalm, he's like, but the Lord is good. The Lord is good. And that's what a worship service is supposed to be. And we have to work at that sometimes. You've got to warm it up, you know. You've got to light up, the, strike up the music, light the candles, set the, the atmosphere, you know. And, and we're creating an environment in our hearts to host the presence of God. Now, uh, in order to do that, the best worship services are not just about creating an ambiance so we can feel a certain way. The best worship services are birthed out of a life of worship. And that is not just an individual life of worship. That's a corporate life of worship. The best family table moments are when the family's been doing well together. And so the conversation flows and there's laughter and like... We were just at the game, and man, you played great at the game today, or that concert was fun together, or we walked through this tough thing together, and remember when we did this, and we were able to tell the stories because we're integrated and know one another, and we're already in that good space. And the more we're in a good space as a church family throughout the week, then when we get here, we're not just like getting to know one another again, you know, uh, like I haven't seen you in a while, but we're, we're in that sense of we're very comfortable with the Lord, we're very comfortable with one another, and you can still light the candles and set the music and do all of that, but it's like, that's the cherry on top, right? I mean, that's, the, that's, that's birthed out of a life of worship. And when you look at the early church, when you look at Acts chapter 2, it says they met together every night in each other's homes. They broke bread together. They gave to each other deeply integrated community. And to the extent that they had that level of community where they're constantly pursuing the Lord and in prayer together, then the worship services uh, become a whole, are able to go to a whole other level. So uh, I, I want to remind us that the worship service is not church. Okay, this, what we're doing here today, when we say I'm going to church, you know, this, this thing that we do is not church. If we think that this thing, this event is church, 
then we don't understand what the word is. Because what the word church means, what's the word mean? Anybody know? It's the, the Greek word is ekklesia. Okay? And ekklesia means the gathering. It means the gathering. And that word came not initially about Christian gathering. What that was was in, in the Greek uh, in the day of the Greeks, there would be the community would gather together to make decisions at the gates. And when they would come together at the gates to decide about something and to talk about it and say, all right, this is it. That was called the ecclesia. So Jesus took that word and he says, Peter, upon this rock, upon this confession of faith that I am Lord, I'm going to build my gathering of people who will declare truth. And so what that is, the church, is when we get together and declare who God is together. So yes, this worship service is an expression of that. But if we say that the service is church, then we don't understand. Like, it's the people, it's the gathering, which, uh, which is a really, really important point for two reasons. Um, and one of them is the fact that the, the worship service is, can't be had without a culmination of a life of prayer. I mean, when, so if we only show up at this service, it very quickly becomes just a religious thing that we do one time a week in our life. But when we're on a journey with the Lord in prayer, and then those journeys, your, all of our journeys kind of like come together in this moment. And, and throughout the week, I'm touching, touching base with Patty. There's a phone call here. Say, hey, how's it going? I know you've been going through a tough time. Let's pray. You know, and then, and then Mike and I are talking, hey, what's going on at work? You know, and we're talking and we're, and we're connecting. And we're praying about that stuff together. Then when we come in here, all those storylines kind of converge. And we're like, all right, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You know, and we come to the table with the Lord. And that's what, it's, that's what it's supposed to look like. Now, this is, so the, again, the picture is this is a table, a family table, or in a more intimate setting with the bride of Christ, this can also be the marriage bed, you know? And so those moments where you have a, a certain relationship and then you define the most intimate moments of that relationship. And in many ways, even though the worship service is large compared to, you know, a conversation with another person, this is supposed to be very, very intimate. Not just with one another, but with the Lord. Because the bride of Christ is not comprised. It's, I'm not the bride of Christ. You're not the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And so if we're going to have union with the Father, it happens when we have connection with the Lord. And that's the family table as well. So is the family table in the bedroom, are they about pleasure or are they about discipline? Both. Right? And so, that, I, by the way, I'm down to like 0.5 in this thing. I, I forgot to tell you that I was moving down through points here. Um, and uh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> if you're trying to take notes, my man. Um, and uh, so it's both pleasure and it's also discipline. There's moments where I'm on my computer and I have like way too many emails in my inbox and I'm trying to like do whatever and I've been working, I've been hitting it hard and the boys come home, you know? And I might be at home working and the boys come home and they are just like a ball of energy, you know, coming in the door like, boom, you know, and I'm like, whoa, what just happened, you know, and there's this part of me that knows like, I really have to get this email done. And then there's the other part that's like, all right, so if I just fire this email off and then kind of get, and then, but then there's also that moment of like, no, this is what it's about, Right. Can I get my heart there? Now, here's the bigger deal, the, the bigger moment for me, is when that happens at the dinner table, when I have to decide, man, 
I am feeling pressure in my life to handle all sorts of things or whatever, but I'm going to choose to put my phone and I'm going to choose to put my laptop and I'm going to choose to put whatever over here because this thing right now is what I really want. I want to be with my family. I don't feel that want because I feel the pressure right now to do this other stuff, but I have to table the pressure in order to go after the deeper desire of my heart. And that's a discipline. Even though it's the deeper desire, the deeper desire isn't driving me right now. I have to choose to tune in to the deeper desire of my life. And so there's a, there's a part of people that at times feels like inauthentic by like forcing the thing with God. Don't feel inauthentic. Feel like you're prioritizing. Okay, you're prioritizing the deeper desire of your heart and a Sunday morning worship service is doing just that. There's plenty of other things that we might want to do and all of that, but being here and getting our hearts there is prioritizing. Okay, that was point five. Point six, getting close. Hang in there. Do we need to do jumping jacks or anything? (laughs) Point six, corporate worship and personal worship are totally different things. Totally different things. I remember um, a person who, uh, I had a neighbor once who found out that I was a pastor, and he said, hey, you and I are going to be absolutely fine as long as you don't ever invite me to your church. And I was like, okay, why is that? And he said, the golf course is my church. And he's like, I believe in God. I connect with him in nature, you know? And when I'm out there and I'm like, I get that, you know? I really do. The lie that a deer stand or a beach or a golf course can be your church, that is a lie. It can be a place where you have deep intimacy with God. And I hope that we regularly find those places where we can personally connect with the Lord. And we need to do that. For me, that's in an ocean. No doubt about it, on a board, in an ocean, I'm with God. And we need those spaces in our life. It's on a couch with my Bible, you know? It's, it's in uh, playtime with kids. There's moments where we connect with God, and our life should be connecting with God. But that's not church. Remember what church means is the gathering. Corporate worship and individual worship are totally different. And if I feel like I got enough juice going in my life because I'm doing this individual thing with God, I think I'm all right. There is something that I'm completely unaware of that I'm missing in my life. There is a family table and a marriage bed in a relationship with God that is not being expressed. Now, the more that I connect with God in those other environments, the more it feeds into the corporate worship being something awesome. But we cannot replace corporate worship with that stuff. No matter how good the other stuff is, it is not church. And there's times where people are like, yeah, but church is tough, man. Yeah, that's because it's not just me figuring it out my way. I'm being stretched into figuring it out with other people, which is all part of the growth process of being a part of a family. And a family table, we learn manners, and we learn how to respect the other people, and we learn other ways of enjoying than just the way that works for me. And we got to work at that, and we got to be a family in that. we got to figure it out. But consistency at the table is what does that. And in our world right now, when it's kind of like, if I feel like it kind of thing, doesn't do well for families to figure out how to do dinner. You know, fa- family dinners are not things that work real well in families right now compared to what historically at times they have in culture. And in the same way, worship services are the same thing, you know. And so I just want to encourage you. 
This, is, this worship service is not made for those who, it's not designed primarily for those who don't know Jesus yet. There are worship services, there are Sunday morning services who are the whole point is to help people who have not connected yet to get connected. Man, God bless the fact that there are ministries who are on point trying to bring people into Sunday morning. And I hope that we understand at Parker Ford Church that there is always places at the table that are open that we're inviting people to come have dinner with us at the family table. But this will never stop being a family table if, if I have anything to do with it. It's a family table first. And then we invite people to become a part of that family because you don't want to lose the family values by just saying all we are is an orphanage. That's not all we are. We're a family who wants to bring people into the family. We maintain the family values. That's the beauty of the institution of family. But there's always an empty chair and there's always the freedom to bring your friends and to experience what it's like to be a part of the family and maybe even become a part of the family. You know? And so the worship service first is about the people of God coming together to worship God. Secondarily, we invite others to be a part of that. This is like mom at Thanksgiving. That's what the worship service is. It's mom at Thanksgiving. You know how stoked mom can get? Especially like, okay, so my mom um, in the room. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> so when... Brothers coming in from Cincinnati with the family and sisters coming in from Iowa with the family and we're coming from here with the family. And, you know, there's this moment where, like, you know, at that moment, like, mom just wants all the stuff together, wants a, you know, wants the, and the meal and the whole, but all of that, it's not because we want to crush food, although we want to crush food, you know, but that's not the point. The point isn't the turkey. The point is relationship. That's the point. And the reason we do go all out with all this stuff is to honor God at Thanksgiving and to enjoy family. And the worship service isn't here to get a spiritual shot in the arm. We do need to eat. We need to consume Christ together. That's what we need to do. But the point isn't just to get a shot in the arm. We do need to eat our Thanksgiving meal. That's not the point. The point is, is that we come to honor God and we come to connect with one another and everything we do is to celebrate that together. And that's what a worship service is. All right, so point number seven. Here it is is that throughout the history of the church, there's been four basic elements of the worship service. And they have been all through the history of the church. For 1,500 years, these were all four of these were the central parts of the worship service. I would say in the last 500 years since the Protestant Reformation, one of them has lost some traction and has done some damage. Okay? We, some amazing, awesome things have happened to the church since the Protestant Reformation. Praise God for the fact that we know what salvation is very clearly sola fide by grace alone. We have a new interpretation of the scripture that we desperately needed because things had gotten dark there for a while. However, there's some stuff that went missing. And one of them is this thing right here. It used to be that when you go to a church service, it was called Mass. It still is and for, some of, for some of us in, in history. And, and when we take the Eucharist, that's called taking mass. Because one of the, the central part of what worship was, was we come to the table and we feast on the body and we drink together. 
And that that's our entrance. That's the covenant. That's why we celebrate together what this is. But for most of us in the Protestant church, we've, we've lost a little bit of touch of the depth of the meaning of just how central and just how important communion is. It's become very symbolic and a thing that we do periodically. And for a lot of people, it's stopped carrying as much weight. It's we remembered Christ died for us. But the depth of what all is there, we need to, we need to reimagine and we need to relearn. The other three parts of it, okay? So there's always been prophecy. You might be like, what? Prophecy? <laughs> but that's what it is. So when you read 1 Corinthians, when it comes to preaching the word of God, when it comes to proclaiming what the word of God says, there's a difference between teaching the word of God and explaining what this says versus proclaiming what this says to a group of people who need it in real time applied to their life. And that's what the prophecy is, is when the word of God is alive and active and it pierces into my heart and it guides and directs me. Teaching the Bible is what we do in Sunday school, where we study this thing or in a Bible study where we're learning all, all what this is. Preaching, the idea of preaching is what we understand in Corinthians where Paul talks about prophecy. And what he says is speak that word, declare that word, take what this says and apply it hard into real time right now. So that's always been a central part of worship. Second part has been the other thing that we do at this table, which is giving. Giving has been a very, 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 very central part of a worship service for years because that's the offering that we bring to God. And there used to be this time, it was so cool, like back in the early church, if you read about it, they had wave offering. Wave offering is something from the Old Testament, but they would do wave offerings with their resources. They'd come to the front of the church and they would wave their offering and then lay it down. You know, and we'd be like, I thought you weren't supposed to let the right hand know what the left hand's doing. Yeah, it wasn't about showing other people. It was about us bringing something to the Lord. And we were celebrating together. And it wasn't about how much you had or how much you, it was like we were just bringing our stuff to the Lord. And our worship service is about bringing it to God. So we bring our praise to him. We bring our hearts to him. And we bring our resources to him. So we, there was the prophecy. There was the, there was the, um, the offering, there's the communion, which is our entrance, our remembrance of his presence with us, our reaffirming of the fact that we are one, we are dead apart from Christ, alive together inside of Christ, and then it led us to the last piece, which is prayer. And prayer is our gift. That's what we get. We get to talk with God. We get to sit at the table and talk with God. And we do that through a pastoral prayer when we bring all our concerns. We do it in moments of quiet where we're sitting there reflecting. We do it together when we're singing our praises to him and thanking him for who he is and remembering who he is. And that's all prayer. Prayer, worship, singing, praise, thanksgiving. It's all prayer. As a matter of fact, life is all prayer. Relationship with God is all prayer. And this is the place where we come together to pray. And the word shapes what we're praying about. And this, the offering is a response in prayer. It's an action of prayer. And, and the, the communion is our entrance into prayer. But when we come together, it's a conversation with one another and with the Lord. And that's what it comes back to. Okay, so this is what the Christian worship service has been. It's what it's all about. There's one word that modifies. So that's the seven points. We went through it. Here's your closing statement. Um, when you look at the early church, Acts 2, 42 to 47. Um, and, and this is uh, the, central, the central place to understand what it means to be the church. And we've read this so many times here, and we're going to read it again right now. Acts 2, 42 to 47. If you have your, if you have your Bible, 
I just want to ask you to turn there with me, please, again. This is the life of the body of Christ. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple courts together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. There's this word right there. It says they devoted themselves. If this is going to be our celebration, then you kind of have to be devoted in order for it to really become the celebration. If you go on a diet um, and then you have a cheat day in your diet, that cheat day is awesome, right? (laughs) If every day is a cheat day, it's not quite as awesome, right? And when we go all in with something, then we start to understand the beauty of it. When it comes to a relationship, when we go deep level of covenant in a relationship, when you get into a deep, deep relationship with someone, you can start to see the values that you wouldn't have seen from the outside of that relationship. And the worship service offers us something very, very special, but in order to receive the depth of it, devotion to Christ giving ourselves entirely to Christ is what helps us receive the beauty of what this service is all about. Otherwise, we're going to want the service to be more and more entertaining to give us more juice instead of the family rising up in the rich nature of being with God in his presence together. And so this word devoted means wholehearted adherence to a singular course of action. You can't be devoted to more than one thing at once. Because it means a singular course of action. And so this group of people, they devoted themselves to God. And because of that, the worship service was the moment of their lives where they come together, you know, because that's who they were, a people following Christ. And this is where we meet with Christ together, our moment. And that's what made it beautiful. When we're devoted to him, it means that when we're looking forward to that night, that dinner night, you know, where we sit around the table or we're looking forward to uh, a moment of intimacy in the marriage. There's a lot that, you, that leads up to that. And when it comes to a church, what leads us up to the worship service? It means I'm thinking about what I'm going to be doing Saturday night because I'm excited about being prepared for Sunday morning. It means how early I get up on Sunday morning is, is a thought process about how to be ready for that worship service. It means how I plan the rest of my day on Sunday. I don't want to feel like jammed so that I have to run out the door without connecting and feeling the rich beauty of being able to interact with one another. When we live in a world where we have so many things going and so many irons in the fire, but if we're going to be devoted to Christ, if we want to experience the depth of what this family gathering is, then we need to make our lives shape around it rather than the other way around. And if I'm not there yet, that doesn't have to be a condemnation. That's not like, woe is me, I'm not there, God doesn't like me. Forget all that. What it is, is it's saying, I want to be there. 
And if I want to be there and I'm not there yet, there's two things to do. One is ask God and he will start to put us there. And secondly, act like he already has. <laughs> Fake it till you make it kind of thing. Like seriously, live in faith saying, I know this is what I should want. I know this is what God wants for me. I know that it will be what I will want because he will grow me in this way. So he will answer the prayer and the, the command to us and the joy for us is that we get up, that we show up, and then together we flow up. Let's pray. We realize, Jesus, that this is your gift to us. <laughs> that being able to be at the table with you, I mean, I, I know there's been moments in my life where I've been so giddy to be with someone because it's a gift to be able to be with them. And um, the weekly nature of this thing and the pain in our lives and the, and the false images that the enemy teaches us get us to a place where we don't easily see what this is. And we lose sight. But we ask that at Parker Ford Church, here on Sunday mornings, that God, this will be a place where we are so used to seeing each other's face because we're so consistent, because we're so much about this moment, that it would be just like if one of my kids didn't show up at dinner. And I'm like, what in the world? Where are they? Because this is who we are. This is what we do. This is, this is like, this is it. This is our table. And that we would know you deeply at this table, that we would worship you profoundly, that this would be the, this would be family movie night, this would be the, the family dinner, this would be the marriage bed, this would be like, this would be all of that wrapped up, that God, this would be a moment here on Sundays where we come, and when we come where we are broken, and when we are hurting, this is still a table where we can talk about the difficulty of our week, and we can be washed by the other, by the, by the, by the water of the word. And this is the place where we bring our burdens and we lay them down. This is where we bring our offerings and we praise our God. This is the moment where we remember every week that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. This is the moment every week where we realize that we are not alone. This is the moment every week where there is a discipline in our life that says, I will never go more than seven days without getting my focus along with everyone else turned on the one who matters. This is about you, God. So bless us. And we also ask that you would bless the church all across our region, God, that we would be a church that honors you. In the name of Jesus, amen.